church. You will notice that I did not dance. Uh, at my house, uh, sometimes we do have little dance parties in the kitchen, um, but I've told my children that the extent of my ability to dance is really limited to while I'm sitting in my vehicle and enjoying music, and then I, I do like a little bit of the head bob, and that's it. That's the skill I have. Some of you I know are avid dancers, and that's, that's, that's not me, unfortunately. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is John. I'm a volunteer here at the church. Uh, I realize uh, over the last number of months that we have had a lot of new people come in and not everybody knows everybody else, uh, but I've actually been a part of this church since I was 14 years old. A friend of mine that I was taking the school bus with in junior high invited me to come to the youth group, um, and that's even before Pastor Todd was the youth pastor. Uh, so uh, many of you know that our senior pastor was previously the youth pastor for a really, really long time. Um, and so there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of great people here. And I am so blessed to have my family here with me and to have been a part of this church for so long because this is really an incredible group of people, an incredible church family to be a part of. And I want you to know that we're glad that you're here today. And for those of you who are watching online, we want to let you know that we're glad that you're participating as well. Well, over the course of the summer, uh, we've been going through this series called The Fruit of the Spirit. And uh, as our senior pastor and his wife have been away, we've been hearing from a whole bunch of different people uh, who have had the opportunity to teach and to share. And, and I was away uh, with my family on vacation uh, for a few weeks, and I missed uh, those messages while we were away. And I went back and I listened to them. And I have to say that I was so incredibly blessed by the high caliber and quality of the teaching. You know, as a church family, we are so blessed to have so many different people who are capable of getting up on a stage and sharing God's word. And so uh, I just, if you missed any of them, and I'm saying this sincerely, I'm not saying this is some sort of way to hype up, you know, what's happened over the summer, but if you missed any of the messages from the summer, go to the website and listen to them because you will be blessed. You will be encouraged by uh, the teaching that's been going on because uh, it was absolutely fantastic, and ho hopefully I don't buck that trend. I, I want to begin today by doing a little bit of a survey with you. I want to start by asking a question, and just by a show of hands, how many of you here today would say that you could think of something that you would like to change about yourself? Just, okay, there's a few of you that didn't raise your hands. Um, I'd love to talk with you after the service. Uh, next question, uh, if for those of you who are married uh, or are in a relationship, how many of you would like to change something about your spouse or significant other? Wait, wait, don't, don't raise your hands, don't, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, don't, don't raise your hands, I, the pastors do not need any more counseling sessions to have to deal with, okay, don't raise your hands for that one. I think if you and I were to sit down and we were to have a conversation face-to-face -face over a coffee, over a meal, and we were to talk about some of the things that maybe we'd like to see change in our lives, I bet every single one of us in this room would have something that they'd like to change about themselves. And I think for some people, you know, this is one of those topics that maybe we talk about at the beginning of the new year when we're talking about New Year's resolutions and we have this list of things that we'd like to change or improve, you know, positive changes that we'd like to see in our lives, right? You know, sometimes it's a goal we have, like, I'd like to read more books 
Or, or for some people, it's, you know, I'd like to quit smoking. Or, uh, you know, there's these things that I'd like to add that are positive into my life, and there's these things that I'd like to subtract that are negative in my life. I, I think every single one of us, there's probably some things that we would, if we were being honest, would like to change uh, about ourselves. Some of those things might be more serious than others. But I know, like for myself, one of the things, I would love to be more disciplined in the area of what I consume, what I eat. Uh, I, I'm pretty good when it comes to sugar. I, I don't eat a lot of things that have a lot of sugar in them. Um, but I love potato chips. Um, potato chips are delicious. I don't know if you have potato chips recently, but potato chips are amazing. Um, and if there's potato chips around, even if it's a, a flavor of potato chips that I don't particularly like, I will still eat them because potato chips on the whole are so delicious. Uh, even recently, we were at a friend's house and uh, dinner wasn't ready. We were there for dinner and they put some potato chips out on the counter and they were just plain potato chips, which might be the worst. They're just salt and fat and potatoes. And I sat there and I, I bet I consumed seven or 800 calories just in potato chips before we even got the dinner out because I love potato chips. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but potato chips, they taste the best after 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> That's when they are the most delicious, when you put them in your mouth and the flavor just seems to pop. And so if your goal, when I asked you to put up your hand, was to gain weight, this is a fantastic way to do it. Wait until 10 p.m., then open the potato chips because those calories will just sit with you because you're not gonna burn them while you're sleeping, okay? I think there's all thing, all of us have things in our lives that we would like to change, things that we would, would like to improve upon. That's why the, the self-help section at the bookstore is so big. That's why there's so many podcasts on how to make changes and improve yourself. And whether it's weight loss or dealing with anxiety or uh, depression or, or whether it's something that you want to completely transform in your life in terms of your organization or improving your relationships, we all have those things in our lives that we'd like to see improve, that we'd like to see change, and yet I don't know uh, if you can relate to this, but there's some things in my life that I think at this point, now that I'm in my 40s, that I would have already dealt with, right? right? There's, there's things that I, I, you know, when I was much younger, I thought, man, I, I, I'd like to change this, and yet days go by, and weeks go by, and months go by, and years go by, and decades go by, and you look, and you think, man, am I still... Am I still dealing with this same problem? Am I, are, these, are there still things in my life that I haven't been able to change on my own? Like, what's going on here? And really, that's, that's what this series, in a lot of ways, is about. It's about seeing change and transformation in our lives. And, and, and this passage that we've been studying, we've been focusing on, on the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're not familiar with this particular passage of Scripture, th this is a, a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a group of people, to a church in a region called Galatia. And this particular letter that he was writing, in the, there's a special section that we've been concentrating on where he talks about what the benefits are of having God's Holy Spirit indwell us and transform us and change us into the people that God wants us to be. And, and this, this passage of scripture, it's interesting because he lists all of these benefits right after he lists all of these things that we can do that are bad, that we can, we can get in trouble with. And, and this concept of, of, of the God who created the world, 
who, who, who designed the earth in such a way that it would sustain life, who the Bible says ordained the day of every single person's birth. This God, this all-powerful God who, who created us and created the universe wants to have a relationship with us that's so close and so intimate that his spirit comes and lives inside of us and changes us into new people. And so the, the question that I have for us today that I want us to, to focus on as we dive into God's word is when we, when we look at the things that we want to change in our lives, that we'd like to improve or the things we'd like to quit, when we, when we look at those things are they the same things that would be on God's list that he wants to do in our lives? You know, the question that I want us to camp out on today is, what is it that God would like to do inside of our hearts? What is it that God would like to change? What, what, what is it that God would like to see happen inside of your heart and my heart through the power of his spirit living inside us? And so I, I want us to... I want us to jump into uh, this uh, passage of scripture here. It's found in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at starting at verse uh, 16 of Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to read it right through to verse 26. So if you have a Bible or you have a smartphone with a Bible on it, I'd love for you to turn there with us. This is Paul again writing to the church in Galatia, this region that would actually be located in modern day Turkey. And he says this to them. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is the bad list, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It's, it's really quite the list. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. May God bless the reading of his word. I want us to, I want us to un, unpack a, a few of the things that Paul is, is writing here. Uh, I, I want to highlight a few things for us. Uh, but before we do that, I, this summer while we were on vacation, uh, my family and I, one of the things that we were able to do is we went to a family reunion. And uh, the family reunion was on a Saturday, and it was like an all-day event. And it was, there was a ton of people there. One of my, my uncles hosted it who has a, an acreage. And so it was a beautiful day, and everybody was outside. And it was, it was one of those days where, 
we, we had kids running around everywhere, people playing games, people, you know, catching up with the family because it had been a couple years since we had one of these reunions. And, and then as happened through, uh, one of the things that happened as the day progressed is, is people got in their vehicles and they, they drove home. And there was really only a small group of us that were left at the end of the day that stayed overnight and then were there for, for breakfast the next morning. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this where like you have conversations with people and you spend time with them and you catch up on all of the normal sort of basic things that you would talk about with someone. You know, uh, the kids are doing this and this is happening at my work and this is what's going on. And, you know, just you catch up on sort of all of the, the normal basic things that happen in life, right? And, and then it gets to the point where our, especially in a smaller group, in a smaller context, all of a sudden those deeper conversations start to happen. You ever, you ever experienced that? Like where you, you maybe with, with some close friends, you know, you catch up on all of the things that are going on and then you sort of all of a sudden you hit this place where you, you dive in to sort of the nitty gritty of what's really happening, the challenges that are being faced, you know, the, the more intimate details of what's going on. Well, the, the, the second morning at breakfast at this family reunion, we, we started talking and one of my family members shared about a relationship that they have with their child that, that is currently completely broken and how difficult it, it is for them as parents to just to watch their child make these same mistakes over and over again, just the, the challenge of that. And it was, it was one of those like meals that just we ate, but the meal went on for a long time because we, we sat around sharing and there was, there was literally like, very intimate moments where there was tears shed and people were sharing. It was, it was really uh, quite, quite beautiful, and especially to happen in the context of, of family. And, and I don't think that's, that's often very common where families are that close and they're sharing like that. And, and, and the thing that, that struck me about that conversation is we started talking about how difficult it is for people to change. How hard it is to actually see significant changes happen in people's lives. And despite the, 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 the current uh, you know, culture that we have that's always talking about improving and changing, it's so difficult for people to break out of bad habits and, and lifelong addictions and other significant challenging things that, that they, they've continuously gotten themselves into over and over again. And, and, and even as I mentioned before, in my own life, I look and I see like, man, there's some things that I've struggled with, it seems like since I was a kid, and I'm still struggling with now that I'm in my 40s. And you just think, like, where, where is the change? Where is the change happening? And why isn't it taking place? And, and this passage of Scripture that, that Paul wrote to the Galatians and that we're going to take a deeper look at here this morning, is really talking about significant life change. Not, not just about adding in a few good habits or taking away a few bad ones, but significant life change. And in verse 16, th this is where he starts in this passage. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. A lot of translations say, walk in the Spirit. In fact, I think almost all the other translations outside of the New Living that we're looking at says, walk by the Spirit. And what, what Paul is encouraging the readers of this letter to do is to submit ourselves completely to the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. 
And, and what that requires of us is for us to lay down our own desires, our, our own wants and needs, and, and to ask the Holy Spirit, would you come and would you direct me? Would you be the one that's in charge of my life? So that we're no longer directing our own lives and determining the course of what we're doing, but we're saying to God, you created me, you created this world, you know the beginning from the end, you know better than I do what's best for me. God, would you be the one to direct my life? So that we become people who are walking in step with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us in every aspect of our lives, not holding anything back. And it's interesting here what he continues to, to write. He says, then when we do this, we will no longer be doing what our sinful nature craves. We're talking here about significant life transformation where we're no longer doing the things that we want to do. We're asking God, what is it that you want me to do? God, would your spirit come? Would I open myself to what you want in every area? Because then I won't be doing what my sinful nature craves. And, and I know when we start talking about sin, it makes us uncomfortable. Every week when someone read this passage of scripture, when we got to that long list of bad things, I cringed a little bit. Honestly, I did. I'm like, oh, such a yucky list. And yet I think if we were honest, all of us can identify with certain things on that list. Maybe not sorcery. I, I don't know how many of us are into sorcery. That's the one thing on the list where I was like, was that a problem there? Clearly it must have been for Paul to mention it. But I, have, I pastored here at this church uh, for about 10 years. I was one of the pastors on staff. Never once did I ever have anyone come into my office and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with sorcery. <laughs> but the rest of the list, man, there's a lot of stuff that I can identify with there. Outbursts of anger, lust, greed. There's, there's, there are parts of me that identify with this list. And, and what Paul writes here is he says, let the Holy Spirit direct your life. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But listen, he, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. In verse 17, he says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. See, Paul's not writing here only about not doing bad things. He's saying that when you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you and empower you to become the person that God's called you to be, not only will you not do those bad things, you won't want to do those bad things. Paul tells us that God will change the desires that we have. See, it's one thing for me to want to do something bad and then be like, I'm not going to do that. It, with a lot of discipline and effort, you can do that even in your own strength without the Holy Spirit. I'd like to do that, but I'm not going to because I know it's a bad choice. That is not the same thing as no longer wanting to do the bad thing in the first place. 
And yet that is the kind of life-changing transformation that Paul is writing about here. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature craves. This is incredible, church. This is, he is talking about life transformation, about significant change. And, and as hard as it is for people to change, I believe that the Holy Spirit is capable of changing your life and mine. I believe that the God who created this world, who loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and who rose again three days later, that same God wants to see drastic transformation in your life and mine because he wants us to become the people that he's called us to be, and that is people who reflect the character of Jesus. And so we've got this, this bad list, but then we've got this, this good list. We've got the benefits of now what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to be working inside of our lives. And on this good list, we have all kinds of great things that we've been talking about all summer long. We've got love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And one more. Gentleness. Gentleness. Each week throughout the summer, we've been focusing on a different attribute that the Holy Spirit wants us to have as a result of being filled on the good list, the good things, the results that come out of having God direct our lives, that come out of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us, the good list. And Every week, we've been highlighting a different one of those fantastic character attributes. And when I got the email from Pastor Peter with the list of all of the, the attributes and the people would be preaching and what days they were going to be preaching them on, um, when I saw that I was assigned gentleness, I was a little disappointed. Uh, Peter is preaching on self-control next week. I think I could have done a great message on self-control, honestly. <laughs> but of all the things on the good list, I mean, gentleness is kind of that attribute that we sort of gloss over. I mean, everybody wants love, right? Everybody wants joy. <laughs> if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you still want love and joy and peace, you know? Most people would at least admit that they'd like a little bit more patience, kindness, and goodness. They're great. Self-control, who doesn't want more discipline? But gentleness, it's, it's the attribute we're like, oh, okay, I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess I'll take a little I, gentleness if, if I have to, if, I mean, as a bonus, if the Holy Spirit wants to give me a little bit of gentleness as a bonus, I guess. But it's not really a character, a characteristic even that we value as a society. I mean, we value strength and conviction. And here in Alberta, we sure love it when people tell it like it is, right? Um, I think everybody's a little bit more bold when they're typing and staring at a screen and not actually talking to people face to face. And gentleness usually isn't a part of the mix. I have never... I, I, I'm not on social media, <laughs> haven't been for a number of years, but when I was, uh, 
I never once read someone's post and thought, that's so gentle. <laughs> such, such a gentle post they wrote. I, I like what they had to say politically. It was gentle. When I asked you at the beginning of this message, when I took a survey and I said, hey, if there's something you'd like to change in your life, and you all raised your hands, most of you anyway, the normal people raised their hands and said, yes, there's a few things I'd like to change. Not a single one, I would put money down. I would, I would make a bet, okay? I apologize if that's uh, bad to say in church. I would bet that nobody was thinking, I'd like to be more gentle. That's, yes, that's the thing I'm thinking about. I'd like more gentleness. And yet, despite the fact that maybe none of us were thinking that gentleness would be an attribute that we'd like to add, we all value gentleness in other people. It's an attribute that we appreciate in other people. When you make a mistake at work and your boss comes into your office or onto the job site to talk to you about the mistake that you made, in your heart, you're hoping that your boss will be gentle. If you're a teenager and you borrow the family car and there's an accident and you come home with either a damaged car or with no car at all, you are hoping that your parents will be gentle. When you're driving down the road and those red and blue lights are flashing in your rearview mirror. You are hoping that whoever comes up to the window to tell you about the bad thing you did in your car, that they will be gentle. We value gentleness in other people. We may not think of it as an attribute that we want to have, but we sure like it when other people are gentle with us. And in fact, it's listed as an important characteristic for people who are followers of Jesus and people who want to be leaders in his church throughout the entire New Testament. Gentleness is mentioned in Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, uh, Matthew. Jesus says about himself, I am humble and gentle at heart. And, and it is the same Jesus who calls himself humble and gentle at heart, who had the power to raise the dead, who had the power to make blind eyes see, who was capable of calming the storm with just the words that came out of his mouth. We are talking about the Jesus who willingly suffered and endured the cross. This same Jesus who is God, who we worship, who we serve as Christians, who calls himself humble and gentle at heart. Gentleness is one of the characteristics of God. And so while it may not be the attribute that we would pick from this list that's number one priority for us, as followers of Jesus, we are called to demonstrate gentleness. And gentleness is something that I think many of us struggle with. And without question of the things on this list, it might be the thing that I struggle with the most. See, when, when someone does something and, and I don't like it, 
my immediate reaction can often be quite harsh. Not only in what I think, but in what comes out of my mouth. And I think for myself, and probably it's the same for many of you, where that often takes place is within the context of our own homes. You see, when my children or my wife do something that I don't agree with or that I think they should have done a different way or, or they make a mistake of some variety, often my initial reaction, my gut reaction, is to say something that's cutting, that's harsh, both in the words that I'm using and in the tone of voice that I choose to say it in. And I recognize that I need the Holy Spirit to change that in me so that when I'm speaking with my children, when I'm speaking with my wife, when I'm speaking with my colleagues, when I'm speaking with people that I interact with on a daily basis, that gentleness is one of the characteristics that they would see in me because gentleness reflects the character of God. Now, that, that doesn't mean that we don't stand up for what's right. That, that doesn't mean that there aren't times where we need to be firm, where we need to speak the truth in love. That doesn't mean that when someone comes and, and they're struggling with something that we're like, ah, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about greasy grace. We're talking about a characteristic where the manner in which we deal with people is gentle. Because that's the way that we want to be treated, especially when we've made a mistake. And that's the way that God wants us to interact with the people around us, especially when they've made a mistake that affects us. And so today, as we, as we look at the benefits, the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm hoping that one of the prayers that you begin to pray as you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and direct your life is, would you give me that spirit of gentleness, Jesus, that you have? Because I, I think there, there's enough harshness in the world already that in how we interact with our families and how we deal with each other, especially in the church family, needs to have the characteristic of gentleness demonstrated in how we communicate and talk and interact with people. And actually, it's, it's interesting. After this section that I read in, in Galatians chapter 6, Listen to what Paul writes, starting in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and then in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> I think it's funny that he tacked that on to the end. But look at the manner that he's talking about helping someone that's stumbled, that's fallen, that's made a mistake, that we would restore them gently and humbly. And isn't that the way that we would hope if we had made a mistake, that we were restored gently and humbly by people helping and supporting us? And, you know, the thing about gentleness is gentleness is not a sign of weakness, that is, that is how it's viewed by our culture. 
If you were to, to tell somebody that, that gentleness is an attribute that you aspire to have, they would probably automatically associate that with weakness or meekness or mildness, but gentleness is really power under control. You know, uh, I, was, I was going over my message this week with Pastor Peter, and he said when he was in the children's ministry that he would talk about gentleness by talking about the tiger who is so ferocious that they literally kill their prey with the power of their jaws, and yet is tender and gentle with their own cubs. I, I, I almost think of it this way. Have you, ever, have you ever been driving down the road and you see like an incredibly exotic sports car that is capable of driving at unbelievable speeds and, and handles beautifully, like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you know, something exotic, but the person is driving down the road and they're following the rules of the road? They're driving the speed limit. They're not weaving in and out of traffic because they have nothing to prove if they're already in a Ferrari. <laughs> if I'm driving a Ferrari down the road, I don't have to drive fast so that everybody knows that my car goes fast. It's a Ferrari, which just to clarify, when I said me, I, I don't own a Ferrari, okay? But sometimes you'll see somebody driving like a small, tiny car that they've put a massive exhaust pipe on, and they're ripping through traffic, trying to prove to everybody how incredibly powerful their small vehicle is with the loud, annoying exhaust that I'm sure is causing them some kind of, like, hearing failure in the future. Gentleness is power under control. Gentleness is not a sign of weakness. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind and so I, I don't know, as we've been going through all of uh, this series and all of these different attributes, if, if there are any of them that have really spoken to you or challenged you. But today, what I'm hoping that I leave you with is, number one, that you would open yourself to the Holy Spirit, that you would invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and direct your life, every part of it. And you would ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me so that I'm not doing the things on the bad list, and I want the benefits. I want the results of all those things on the good list, those characters, those characteristics that are more like Jesus. I want those, but also I want you to change my desires so that it's not only that I'm not doing bad things, but I'm allowing you to literally transform me into the person that you've called me to be. And church, what would it look like if this was the attitude of every person in our church family. That as a, a church community, we would be directed individually and corporately by God's Holy Spirit who is changing us and transforming us, that we would see the fruit of the Spirit, that we would see the results, the benefits of real life transformation because we are allowing God and his power to change us to mold us, to shape us. When I look back, I am so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. There were times when my speech was littered with cutting remarks because I thought that it was funny. There was times in my life where I would say things flippantly on a regular basis just to get a laugh. And I remember very clearly uh, when I was a, a young adult, a Sunday morning where 
the pastor before communion invited people, if, if you need to forgive someone, would you go to them? Would you, would you forgive them? Would you release them? Would, would, would you tell them that you forgive them for whatever it is that they did against you? And I'm not making this up. <laughs> there was a, a line of people who wanted to come talk to me to forgive me for the things I had said that hurt them. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we could look back and recognize that we're not the same people that we once were. I believe that God can change us. And no addiction, no habit, no bad choice that maybe you've repeatedly made over and over again will stop the work of God in your life when you allow him to direct everything that you do and say and think. So let me pray for you today. Father, we are grateful for the work of your spirit in our lives. Father, we, we wanna be people who are directed by your spirit whose lives are transformed and changed. And God, I acknowledge that if there's things in my life that aren't changing, it's because of me and not because of you. And Father, we confess that today, that we need you, that we need your spirit. We need your spirit to, to change our desires, to change our hearts. We don't wanna just be people who, who don't do things that are bad because we know they're bad. We wanna be people who want to follow your leading and your direction in our relationships, in our marriages, in the relationships that we have with our children, with other people in our church family, with our, our colleagues and our coworkers and our schoolmates and everyone that we interact with, Father, we invite you to direct us. God, would you empower us today? God, would you give us the courage to, to confess our sins? Would you give us the courage, God, to walk away from those habits and, and bad choices, God, that we've made in the past? Father, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit Spirit, to live for you and to become like Jesus each and every day. Father, we pray this blessing over every person that's here in your son's mighty name. Amen. God bless you, church.